Joe, welcome back to another episode of Desire to Inspire, your mama's favorite podcast. Dylan, we got the Moore brothers here today, man. Super excited about this, excited to hear their journey, their story. Um, I know you know them a little bit better than I do. Um, I feel like I don't though, man. I feel no? like I don't. It's all it's all Twitter based, you know, so this is going to be like a deep dive into it. It's going to be cool. There we go. Well, we got Mitch and Matt here with us again, the Moore brothers. Um, we're going to dive into their story, hear a little bit more about them. And I think that their journey aligns well with this whole desire to inspire that Dylan and I are starting. Um, and I think we'll be able to take a lot away from this. So welcome, boys. What's going on? How we doing? Doing great. Thanks, How are you doing? Doing good. I wish I could grow a killer mustache like you guys, but uh, <laughs> we still got to hit puberty first or something. <laughs> <laughs> it'll come. It'll come. I love it. Yes, sir. So, uh, Matt, I guess we'll let you intro real quick and then we'll dive into the weeds, everything. But Matt, introduce yourself and then Mitch, let the people know who you guys are. Yeah, my name is uh, Matt Moore. I uh, am about to turn 20 in a couple of weeks and I uh, own my own business. Um, I founded a community of guys called Elevate Life and I'm a personal trainer, online coach. So There we go. I didn't realize you were that young, dude. I didn't either. I knew you were younger, but I didn't know you were that young. Yeah, a lot of people are taken back. <laughs> yeah, I got I got him started early, so he's he's way ahead of the game. I had him I had him out in the garage, fucking benching one thirty five at eleven years old. <laughs> That's what Freddie's doing now at twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> we all got to start somewhere, man. Better late than never, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, I'm Mitch Moore. Uh, obviously, the older brother just turned twenty five a couple months ago. Uh, married to my beautiful wife Claire. If you're on Twitter, you've definitely seen her. Uh, but I'm fi- I'm a financial planner. Um, I have my own RIA, which stands for Registered Investment Advisor. So I work with clients one on one doing financial planning and investment management. Um, but I hold myself out on Twitter as the the world's strongest financial planner. So I'm not like those other guys wearing the suit, <laughs> uh, trying to sell you shit, trying to act like they know better than you. I'm just one of the homies that just helps you build wealth. Hell yeah. I love, love that. that. Dude. How did, uh, how'd you guys even like it? So obviously Mac got started through you in the garage, but how did you get into like the whole fitness thing then? Is this like always something you've been a part of or? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, really sports, sports is what got me into it. So uh, we were lucky enough to have like a, a weights program with through our high school. Um, and it was actually in eighth grade. I, I think I was like 13 at the time is when I got started, you know, we, we were coming into our, freshman year of, of high school and we needed to train. I played both basketball and baseball. And uh, so summer weights is where I got, got my start, man. I, I remember showing up as a 13 year old skinniest kid there wearing a cutoff. You know, I thought I was something. <laughs> we all do at 13, bar, man. My, my pencil arms and I went in and barely benched the bar. So <laughs> where'd you guys grow up at? Seymour, yeah. Indiana. Small oh, okay. Town. So you guys were in Indiana because I know you guys are in Indy now, right? Yep. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so five years is kind of a big gap for like, because you guys seem like super close now. Are you guys always this close growing up or is this kind of like a new thing? Like as you got older? No, we, we've always been close. Uh, yeah, it is a bigger gap, but you know, it, it was just him and I growing up. So yeah. we, we did everything together, played video games, played out in the yard, we had a cul-de-sac next to our house. We'd go out there with the neighborhood kids, play wiffle ball, kickball, whatever it was, you know. And as the older brother, I always won. 
but uh, <laughs> he, he, that made him so much better, man. He would fight me. He, we, we would get into fights where he would try to hit me with baseball bats. He would try to cut me with fucking knives. And shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, uh, he was a fighter, but it made him so much better for that. And, and honestly, yeah. you know, as soon as the fights were over, we made up and we were cool. I've got a brother two and a half years younger, so I totally get it. He's tried to cut me a few times, man. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Hold on. So, I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. No, nah, I was just cutting in because I didn't think everybody was going to say something. Go ahead, Freddie. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to ask because obviously we know the grind of what like starting your own business. And Mitch, I'm really excited to kind of get into the financial aspect of it. But since we're on the fitness topic, we'll just, I guess, stick with that for right now. Um, but Matt, it seems like you're pretty dedicated, pretty determined to kind of like change the industry narrative, show people what the fi fitness industry has that, you know, people might not be as educated on. Do you think growing up and learning from Mitch, that's where you get your drive to be like, okay, I'm going to quit this nine to five that I had with minimal money in your bank account. I think I saw like 35 cents and you were just like, I'm going to jump all in. Um, so kind of want to know your story, your journey of like how you are, where you are today. Yeah, definitely a lot has come from Mitch. Um, you know, he's kind of the guinea pig of my life, um, just getting raised by my parents, you know, guinea pigging him all the way up, having the hand-me-down clothes and stuff like that. But he, um, you know, he moved to Indianapolis after he graduated college, and I moved up there, moved in with him. And then we joined Iron Valley Barbell, and I became a trainer there in person um, under Zach Hummel. I'm sure you guys all know. And you know, we both kind of had our limiting beliefs just shattered of what life could be, you know, entrepreneurship kind of became a reality. Once you get around the right people and you see that like, okay, I can actually fucking do this. I can make money online. I could, you know, start a business strictly from Twitter or from social media. So I feel like we had our beliefs and what we expected. It was all just kind of shattered. And then uh, Mitch was working at financial firm, Charles Schwab, and he jumped a couple of months before I did. So I feel like, again, he led the path there of, okay, I'm going all in on the business. And I feel like there was a lot of pressure from, uh, you know, getting the vaccine and shit like that too. Like I, I wanted to get out of, obviously I wanted to get out of the corporate world for a multitude of reasons, but that was another one you know, they'd send out an email like, Oh, mandating the vaccine. I was like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of here. ASAP. Um, but yeah, ultimately my kind of drive to circle back my drive behind what I'm doing and in, in the fitness space, I guess, is it's not, I feel like other people are just so in it for either the money or whatever. And I'm seriously just in it to, I, the way I like to describe it is I just help the homies get jacked. That's what I tell everybody. We get on the call, we become friends. I just help you get jacked. Like I would do that for anyone for completely free. And it's, it's just truly a blessing to be able to get paid to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know, your page while I was scrolling, dude, your transformation from 2020 to right now is absolutely insane. You don't even look like the right person. Um, and I think I saw in your story yesterday that, you know, you were at your bottom and that's where you were in 2020 drinking a lot, all that stuff, maybe drinking. We yeah, won't yeah. say that since you're not 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, but what was that? What was that journey like? What made you realize that you wanted to change your lifestyle, wanted to jump into the fitness space, or was there a gap between realizing that there was a problem and figuring out what you were going to do to solve that? Yes. Yeah, so a little bit of context before on why I kind of went down the path I did with all the drinking and stuff is I was 
you know, we grew up playing baseball. Baseball was our number one sport and COVID canceled my senior year. I mean, we didn't get a, not one official practice, not one game senior year. So I just chalked it up. Like I'm not going to go play college baseball. And that's what I thought I was going to do my whole life. Um, so I kind of lost all purpose to hit the gym to do really anything. It was just like, okay, I, don't, I thought I was going to go play college baseball. Now what? Might as well just have fun, party, whatever. Um, and then I actually hit fitness hard again because, again, Mitch, we were in the gym one day and he was doing this I want abs challenge. And like the winner got a Rolex or something. And so jokingly, I was like, oh, I'll do it. So I held up the picture, you know, held up that sign took the picture. And then that was just kind of day one for me. I started just documenting really mainly on Snapchat. I feel like everybody young, my demographic on Snapchat for some reason, not anymore. I fucking hate it. But, um, so I started documenting every day my story of just me going in the gym, going in the gym, going in the gym. And then people started reaching out and Mitch actually put together a program and we sold it for like five, 10 bucks, but I sold it. He just gave it to me. He's like, do whatever you want with it. So I started just pushing it on my Snapchat story, on my Instagram, just selling this really cheap program. People were buying it around my hometown. Next thing you know, I had people coming into the gym with me. Uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. We were doing these late night lifts, this gym that's a piece of shit, holding the wall gym. Nobody, you know, nobody cares about it. Commercial gym. And these guys were just going with me to go to the gym. And I was teaching them what I knew then. And then eventually, you know, moving up to Indy, kind of blew it open for me, like I mentioned before, but, but yeah, what got me into it hard was just, I guess just documenting it and then people buying into me doing it, seeing other people buy into it as well. That's what really kept me going. That's awesome. yeah, something that uh, has always been a kind of superpower of him that I, I tell him often is his ability to make friends. Um, he has, he has the great ability to build relationships with people. Um, and just become friends with them. And that's really why, you know, he said he gave me the program and I started pushing it on my Snapchat because I knew that he's the one that's going to be the, able to sell it. Like that's always been his, his strength. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's kind of led him now into the community stuff with Elevate um, and the group that he's building. It's, you know, a subscription community where, you know, guys can go in, see programs, nutrition, um, just chat, you know, encourage each other, ask questions, whatever it may be. Uh, but now, you know, they're coming to Indy to, to lift with us. You know, we had, he flew or well, the guy drove, but had a, a retreat trip for the transformation challenge winner um, just last weekend came into Indy. So it's just like these relationships that he's able to build is also growing the, the community that we've already plugged into, you know, with Zach and, and what he's built with IVB and Twitter and all that stuff. So um, it's just been incredible to watch the journey. How long have you, when did you start this? How long ago? The community? Yeah. Um, so I launched it January 1st. Okay. What's been the biggest challenge in the sense of like growing it? Um, because I know that it can get like daunting hearing a lot of no's or people not picking up traction on it. Um, so I'd be interested to hear more on that. Yeah, it's just, it's honestly been super organic growth. I feel like the number one thing you can do is just provide value, be authentic. And people, if they refer their friends, that's the biggest, you know, compliment you could ever get with anything you do. So I feel like that has been how I've grown. Like I have dudes who are in the community and they're like, man, I've been begging my three best friends to get in this community. And I'm like, dude, like I've almost had to tell guys like, hey, don't worry about it. If they're not going to join, they're not going to join. Find the next person you can serve, you know, mm -hmm. and 
so that's been the biggest way we've grown. But for me, um, I know, you know, your network is your net worth. I truly believe that. So I have just been networking left and right. I love making friends. That's my, like he just said, my number one strength that he helped me identify. I asked him one day, you know, what am I best at? And he gave me that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to leverage that till I die. So I've just been networking left and right, getting on calls as much as possible. And I don't necessarily just let anyone in, I guess. It's been a lot of getting on calls. Okay, you fit the vibes, join, because I feel like you could get a bad energy in there. It, can, it could take the whole thing down. So it's been great. Me just making friends has been the number one thing. But to grow it, I would just say value. That's it. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that uh, you had like the foresight to ask, like, what am I good at? We literally talked about this on our podcast last yep. week, like how I feel like more people need to do that. Like take the people who are closest to you in life, find out like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And then leverage it, get better at it. Like whatever it is, like just being able to actually like speak about it. And even like the fact that you were able to point out like that's your superpower. Like, I think that that's huge within a community. Yeah, I heard uh, from Jay Shetty, if you guys are familiar with him. Mm-hmm said that the wealthiest people, I don't know, a survey or however they gather this data, I have no idea. But he said that they interviewed wealthy people. I don't know who, but they said, if you could invest in, you know, hundred, if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars, whatever, where would you put the money in your strengths or in your weaknesses? And they said, every single person was a hundred Oh, all in on their strengths. Cause they know that that's what they're going to ride on. So no, he, he said, don't, I'm not saying don't develop your weaknesses, but you got to go all in on your strengths. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you, you got to make sure you're asking the right people too. When you ask them, you know what, they're helping you build self-awareness. If we only lived by ourselves, we'd have no self-awareness. But the fact that we have other people close to us that, and it can't just be people online on social media, because then they only know the social media you. And as much as we want to be authentic, you know, we just can't share everything about our lives. That's just not, you know, that's just not how it, in reality, how it is. Um, but you got to pick the people that are going to give you the honest truth, you know, uh, yeah, what your strengths are, but also what you can improve on. So picking the right people is also important. Yeah, I think like, that's why I enjoy podcasting so much is because like, you do get like the authentic vibe of like who you are, like, I can type whatever all day, but someone can, like, you guys could each read like what I'm saying in a different way. But when I hop on here, like, this is who I am. And it's either you fuck with it or you don't. And it's cool either way but at least like it's out there in the open. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the main reasons that we want to start our own podcast. And we're actually going to uh, drop the first episode in August is just so we can have more context and more depth. You know, we're able to build these relationships on Twitter and on, on social media, but you know, take meeting in person takes it to another level, hopping on a conversation like this, talking for an hour plus time just takes it even deeper and the deeper we can go, the more impact that we can have. Mm-hmm. So you guys are starting this podcast in August. Have you guys started recording or anything? Or are you guys just getting into it right now? We'll be recording our first episode early next week. Nice. Are you guys going to do like guest stuff or is it going to be like you two or how are you guys going to structure it? Yeah. So we're planning on having two guests per month. Um, okay. So we're going to drop once a week, episodes once a week. I have two guests per month that I'll take up two weeks and then we're going to talk fitness and finance every other uh, week in between there. So I'll go on a finance topic, talk about that, and he'll be able to bring a perspective that, um, you know, from a person who's not really knowledgeable in the finance industry, he'll be able to ask questions that other people would be asking based on the stuff that I would say. 
Um, and then, you know, fitness, we can both talk about that for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's, that's, a, that's a cool concept. Uh, kind of let's, let's just kind of stay on the finance thing. Were you guys, well, were you always like financially intelligent or was this something you had to pick up? Like how was family life growing up? Was this something that was kind of instilled in you from a young age or how'd it go? Definitely not instilled from a young age. Uh, it was something that honestly, we never really talked about. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had the things that we needed, um, but our family never really talked about it. And then when we were, when I was 16 and uh, going into my junior year of high school, our parents got divorced. And from that moment on, I really, I fully internalized that I can't control other people. I can only control myself and the life that I want for myself. Um, so I've dove into self-development and through reading books, I stumbled onto Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game when I was about 19. Um, and I read that book from the perspective, just, you know, I want to be successful when I get older. I want, and when you're young, you want to be successful. All you think about is money. So, you know, I was like, I'm gonna read about money. I'm gonna read how to invest. That's going to be an important part of, you know, being successful. And, um, but it wasn't actually until college, my junior year, um, a professor introduced me to financial planning. And so I was able to dive in after that and, and see how I could blend, um, my strengths of, being good with numbers. I've always was always good with numbers growing up, but I could also blend that now to my other strengths of, you know, creating one-on-one relationships and going deep and also having the fulfillment of having an impact. I feel like I'm making an impact. I'll say. How was uh, the experience of kind of getting into corporate world with Charles Schwab and all that? (laughs) Man, I went into the corporate world knowing I was ready to get out of there. (laughs) It was just a matter of when, not if. So um, I definitely moving here to Indy and just, uh, building the relationship with Zach that I have now has expedited that, um, uh, nobody can be friends with Zach and stay in a corporate job. It's a fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he would, he would just tell me over and over and over every time I see him, bro, you need to quit your job so we can hang out more. That's what he would always say. <laughs> um, but yeah, going into the corporate world, it, it was difficult, uh, especially when I went into the world because, it was right before things shut down. So, you know, corporate, there's already so much like red tape and just so, you know, boss telling you what you got to do, when you can do it, all this stuff. But then you add in the restrictions of COVID and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> fucking mask every day, like, yeah. uh, you know, social distancing, people going to work from home. I, and just, yeah. So it definitely moving to Indy and just experiencing that through covid expedited the process of getting out of there (laughs) did covid also help kind of accelerate i mean i know it got you out of the corporate world but did it accelerate you getting clients because there was that social distancing and there was people that were like super scared to go out in public so did that bring people to you when you started um i guess like marketing that you were taking like taking this journey on by yourself and helping people um Really, the biggest thing that helped me to get clients early on was just the network that I had already built um, and the network that I was able to plug into, honestly, will be, mm-hmm. the thing. you know, yeah, I have my network, but I was also able to plug into to Indy and the community on Twitter and the network that was pre-existing there. And, um, you know, yeah, I think what the rules around COVID helped with was just the comfortability with meeting with someone over the phone or just, mm. you know, being of working with someone virtually uh, because I have some clients who um, they're, you know, 
they have a family, they're a little bit older. And growing up, that was probably never a thing for them. But, you know, now I can just use Twitter to get all my clients and they're comfortable with me living halfway across the country and never seeing me in person and still feel that they can trust me uh, to, you know, what their finances. So I think that's what it mainly helped with. That's nice. That network is huge, though. When did you guys move to Indy? What year was that? Yeah, I moved January 2020. Okay. I was going to, cause I lived there for six, eight months, something like that. But this was like probably into 2018. So it was, it was before I was, I was like, I swear, like I never met these dudes while I was there, but th- that makes a lot more sense. Why? Yes. Yes. So yeah. I was before that I was at IU, uh, Bloomington, Indiana, about an hour away. And then once I graduated in December, 2019, started my job January, 2020. And um, that's when I moved up here, joined the gym. Nice, man. You weren't in corporate long at all then. That's, <laughs> that's uh, honestly goals. We're both in corporate. Yep. We work from home, so like it's not as bad, but it's still like, let me get the fuck out of here. Yes, dude. Uh, dude, it just brings down your energy. That's like yeah. the main yeah. thing is the energy that you want to be putting into something that you truly love and get, brings you life. You're, t- you're spending 40 hours a week on something that's just draining that life. Mm-hmm. Yep that energy out of you i remember like a week before i was about to quit my job i went out uh to eagle creek on a walk with zach and he he literally told me he said your job is lowering your t levels (laughs) (laughs) if you know that's just such a him thing to say he was was telling me that he's like dude your job is lowering your t levels (laughs) and then we met like after i quit he's like oh dude your energy is so much better now (laughs) but it's so true you just feel like you have this weight off of your shoulders um you know nothing's nothing's holding you back nothing's bringing you down now how'd you guys get comfortable with doing that because we talk to a lot of people and it's always that they're scared to go after their dreams because they don't want to fail and then what's next or they have all these like i would say misconceptions that we've all been instilled with from society that you have to work for corporate you have to go to college you have to do all these things what what made you comfortable enough to just be like okay i'm gonna leave corporate was it that you already had a clientele base? I was like, okay, it's bringing in some money or how'd you get, how'd you get there? I think, I think the uh, biggest thing was environment. Um, and Mitch didn't have a clientele base at all. Cause it's illegal to do that. But mm. uh, for him, I mean, I did, so it was an easier transition, but I think the biggest thing goes back to environment and just shattering, like seeing that, like, okay, this can work. Like this can actually work. People are doing this and it's not just people on the internet. It's people that I see every day in my life. And so I think that was the biggest thing. I'm just seeing, okay, someone's actually doing this. Like I can fucking do this. And then I think also for me, it was just like, what else am I going to do? Like, if I don't do this, like, am I just going to sit in this fucking office the rest of my life? Like, fuck no, <laughs> I got to do anything to get out of here. So I think that was a bigger thing. I know Jordan, uh, oh, what's his name? Jordan Peterson. He talks about putting fear behind you instead of in front of you. He said, use it as a motivator, putting fear behind you, like as a mouse chasing cheese, instead of having the cat in front of you, put the cat behind him. He's going to move away quicker. So I've loved that. I put the fear behind me of, I'm not going to fucking do this the rest of my life. Here's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you use the word comfort. How did you get comfortable with that? You don't, man. Yeah, you don't. Yep. You don't you got to step out. You got to jump off the cliff and you got to say that, you know, I'm going to figure it the fuck out. I mean, I didn't, like he said, I didn't have any clients. Um, you know, I had a, ever too. 
Do what? Your expenses like doubled right before that too. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't have any clients. I was paying rent on the apartment I had with him and I just moved in with Claire. So I was paying rent on two apartments. Um, I only had two months of expenses saved, no clients going into it. And I only had like 3000 followers on Twitter. So <laughs> comfort, man, comfort. You, you don't get comfortable with it. Yep. I remember, you know, you really just, it forces you to put your back up against the wall and say, you know, I have to figure it the fuck out and make it happen. Like there's nowhere else I can go. Like you really truly have to figure out what you're made of in that moment when you decide that, you know, I'm going to jump out of this, that direct deposit's not hitting next Friday. <laughs> if I don't wake up tomorrow and get to work, nothing's happening. No clients are going to come knocking on my fucking apartment door if I'm sitting in here not doing anything, you know, like it's just, that's just not how it works. And so you're going to have that fear, that anxiety, and it doesn't, doesn't really go away. Um, honestly, from the people that I talk to, there's always going to be that some of that in the back of your mind driving you, but uh, it's really moving in spite of the discomfort than actually truly feeling comfortable because that's just, that doesn't exist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like another big thing was, um, you know, look at your expenses. Okay. My expenses were stupid low. Just looking at that number and saying, okay, I quit my job. The direct deposit doesn't hit next Friday. Say I don't pick up any clients, make any money. Like, okay, I can go DoorDash, Uber Eats, do whatever the fuck I have to do. I know if it comes down to it, I can feed myself and put a roof over my head. Like you just, I feel like you just have that belief in yourself just as a man. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of women out there probably do it too, but as a man, you're just like, I know, like I can feed myself. I will provide for myself regardless of how anything goes. And dude, everywhere's hiring. Like if you need to get another <laughs> fucking job, just go out next week and apply for six different jobs. You'll probably get all six. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You can always go get a job, man. You can always just go back. There's always people hiring. Uh, so yeah, that was the one thing that helped me too, because you know, I, I had just moved in with Claire, like we're engaged, you know, I'm, I'm the man of the relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm not bringing in any income, I'm not contributing to, you know, our shared expenses and the expenses that I was bringing into the relationship. So it put a lot of pressure on me. And um, I had a, a lot of anxiety around it. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you can always just go back and get get another job. How was she with that? Like when you basically said, all right, I want to quit my job. Was it a hundred percent support? Was there skepticism? Like, how was that conversation? Man, we cried. We honestly, we cried. Uh, she was scared. She was very scared, but, um, I just felt the pull on my heart. I, uh, I would actually, I was walking on one of my breaks, um, at my job. And I was just praying, man. I left my phone at my desk. I went outside and I was, there's a little like patch of trees by my office building. Thank God. And I was just praying about it. And I was like, if this, you know, if this is what I'm supposed to do, like, just please show me a sign, God, like, just give me the push, like, just give me something. Like, I know I feel this in my heart that I want to do this, but I just don't know if, if now's the time with just so many things that because we had our wedding coming up that we had to pay for. We had a honeymoon coming up that we had to pay for. Um, you know, I, everyone gets their yearly bonus in like March of their corporate job. And, you know, I was a few months away from getting that. So like, oh, that'd be a nice cushion, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, 15 minutes just praying the whole time. And I got back 
to my desk and I sat down and I had one notification on my phone and it was a notification of a new podcast that had just been posted from, uh, from Michael Kitsis, who is someone who's like big in the financial advisor industry. And the podcast was on how to raise capital to start your own financial planning firm. There's That's the sign. sign right there. Yeah. One notification, man. One notification on my phone. Damn. <laughs> How to raise capital if you need to, to start your own financial planning firm. And I just, I mean, I cried again and I texted her and I said, here, <laughs> here's what just happened. I'm putting in my two weeks. <laughs> you put <laughs> it in that day? <laughs> not that day. Not <laughs> just walk in from your break. Fuck it. I'm out. Not that day. I can't. <laughs> I came in the next day and uh, gave my two weeks. Yes. Well, that's still, that's still right on cue. That's a quick turnaround <laughs> though, to just be like, all right, I'm doing it. Man. I just felt like, you know, faith has become so important to me, uh, especially since moving to Indy and just having the community around me that I have. Um, it's become very big to me. And then also, for some reason, when you get into a relationship, a serious relationship, get engaged, get married as a man, you just feel like you have to be, you know, this spiritual leader as well. Like, I don't know how, how, what faith is to you guys, but to me, um, I just knew I had to be this spiritual leader and grow in my faith and step up as the man, because Claire's really a spiritual powerhouse, uh, people like to say. So she, she was in it, you know, she was looking for a man to be that and, you know, I asked God for a sign and there it was. So for me not to move, that's on me. Mm -hmm. yep. I know faith is like big and elevate as well. Were you guys raised spiritually? Was that like a big thing when you guys were growing up? I'll let him speak to it. Uh, it I mean, our grandpa is a pastor, but um, our dad worked night shift as a police officer and we played a lot of travel baseball. So Sunday mornings just weren't in the cards for us, I guess. So I feel like for me, I always knew like God is real. You know, I'm, I'm a believer in God, but I never, never had a strong faith. I wouldn't say that at all until, you know, moving to India and getting around again, I think environment, I just keep coming back to that, getting around these people who are so deep into their faith. And then it was like, okay, I gotta, I want to become, you know, the best version of myself. Like I talk about all the time, like this area of my life is going to have to be huge. So then I dove into it for myself. And I feel like a lot of people, even if you are raised that way, I feel like you still have to have your own like decision of, okay, this is for me. I'm doing this for me. Not just because my parents took me to church every Sunday or whatever, you know, they took me to vacation Bible study or whatever that was. I feel like everyone has to make their own decision to walk the path with God. Yeah. I actually think like, that's probably the better way to go about it. I was raised very religious growing up like we might we were in church like five days a week my parents were like super involved and then i don't know what happened but like my early teens we kind of fell out of it and so i kind of like i don't know even to this day i don't i do believe that god is real but it's like the religious aspect of it is what really gets me and i think like a big part of it is like i don't have that community but i think like being able to find it on your own is a hundred percent like the way to go about it because just hearing it, it's it's like this is just drilled into you, and like this is the only way it is. But it's so much deeper than that. Hundred percent. I think yeah, I think a lot of people have this traditional view of what it is. Like it's got to be, you know, in church on Sunday. It's got to be when you're reading your Bible, or it's got to be during a you know very structured Bible study or things like that. 
and don't get me wrong, those things definitely help help you grow your relationship and your knowledge around, you know, just the word and God in general. But I feel like once I realized God is in everything, God is in my decision to get on this podcast and just chop it up with you guys today. God is in my decision to, when we first got on here, say, you know, damn, you guys are looking good today. Just share a compliment to you guys and get a smile back. God was in that decision. And I realized, okay, he's in every decision I can make. I can either share his light or not, you know, which way do I want to go about it? So, and this was a big thing for me in the corporate world. I stepped in there every day to try to be a light to all those people because they all hated their lives. Like no one in the corporate world mm-hmm. like, enjoys their job. So I took, I was, you know, I would pray every day, God, let me be your light for someone else as I go into this job. So I would step in there and dude, it was like, I was walking out of a tunnel, like an NBA star going into a game, just high-fiving everybody, <laughs> like an office of like 200, 300 people. And I'm just relationships with everybody probably goes back to me being friends with everybody, but I took the time. I'm going to make a compliment to not everyone, but as many people as I could. And I'm, I'm just running through like, yo, what's going on? Like hyping <laughs> it up, slapping hands with everybody. So I really wanted to share that light with someone. And I think it can even be found in somewhere like a corporate office or in a conversation like this. Yeah. I feel like I didn't uh, really get into like faith or believing in something until a few people that were close to me passed away. Um, growing up, I was always like, we would go to church off and on. Um, but then the older I was getting, the more and more people were passing away. And it seemed like those people were the ones that were like closest to me. And so like for a long time, I questioned, I was like, if God's real, then like, why is this happening to me? And why is this? And why is that? And once I changed my mindset and started looking at life differently and appreciating, um, everything that was surrounding me and taking the good out of those bad situations. Um, I noticed that, like you said, that light kind of comes back because I feel like I was living in a dark tunnel, but that was just because of what was going around inside. And so I had this like, um, not bad view, but I had this thing, like, there's no way God can be real if all of this stuff is happening to me. And so I noticed I was getting more and more away from it, um, until I started shifting my mindset. And that's when I got like to the super low point where like depression and anxiety, like first affected me, um, where it never had in my life. And that's what got me started in my like gym journey is, okay, I found this as like my therapy. And as I started focusing on myself, I was able to see through those tough situations. And I was able to start being that light that I was again to other people. And I started appreciating all of the little things in life, instead of like, questioning why this, why that, why is it me? Um, And it really changed things around. And it really is a mindset to an extent. Um, but it's actually putting like action behind that because you can stay in this slumber, but if you're not willing to change your mindset and you're not willing to hear people out, like you guys spreading this positive news, being that positive light, then nothing's ever going to change for you. And so it was just, I was sick of being, I guess you could say sick. Um, and that's when I started to get more faith. That's when I started to change my views and life just really turned around, um, and ultimately brought like Dylan and I together to build this brand to bridge the gap between mental and physical health. Um, and so it's been a great journey, but those are key points that you guys just brought up. Love that dude. And I, yeah, I think I would me. add, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say one thing I would add is, uh, you know, Dylan, you spoke to like the religion aspect of it and it's, it's less religion and more mm-hmm. relationship. It's more relationship. It's less rules and more, you know, redemption. Uh, you know, we, the hypocritical Christian is the one who's, who drives other people away from Christ. 
And uh, for me, getting around Zach um, and, and Ashley, his wife, really helped me to see the, the balance of, you know, it, it's not just these like stuck up fucking show up to church and they're, they're sued and their tie and act like they've never done anything wrong. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. bigger than that. It's deeper than that. It's more about, you know, like he said, the spirit that you carry, you know, in, in, in throughout the world and all of your interactions and the love that you show to others and not a set of rules to live by, you know? So um, we can get kind of very like stuck up, you know, Christians can just get stuck up, man. And they just like, if you, oh, if you, you're sinning, then I look down on you and I'm better than you. And, you know, and that's just not what it is. It's all like, we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yep. why we need a savior, you know? So like, let's just rejoice in the fact that, you know, we have a savior and, uh, you know, if you are making poor decisions, like I still love you and I, you know, I'll, I'll help you out of that you know yeah i think the hypocritical part and like the suit and tie is like the big perception of it and for me like we were so into church when i was young it's like Mm. i saw the front they put on every sunday and then i saw the way they were as soon as we walked out the doors and so for a long time i was shut off to it but like you said like getting around zach and ashley it's like you're able to see like that it's everyday people and like zach reaches all the time like i can be friends with everybody and like that is the light. And that's like, I think what shifted me back into like, okay, this isn't a religion thing. This is a faith thing. Mm, yes. And that those people that live one way and then show up to church and act a different way. That's like the, the lower case C church. Mm-hmm. Like that's the church. That's not Jesus. That's the church. That's the, the human, uh, you know, side coming out and what is supposed to be Jesus's, you know, realm, I guess, you know, we, as humans, we just fuck things up and we bring drama into things. And, you know, we live a different way than we actually, you know, talk about on online or show up at church for that hour and act like we all have it together. Like, uh, because we've encountered church politics <laughs> in our lives as well. And I uh, just kind of have to look past that, that it's, that's just the human side of, of the church. That's not Jesus. Uh, what else you got freddie i don't know the wheels are turning over there yeah i know he's deep in thought over there yeah no i was just processing what he was saying because again i feel like um most people are like scared to show that you know they do believe in a higher power they do believe that you know there is faith and this this image this person whatever it is to you that um you can follow and there's positive light that comes with it if you truly do believe but i don't know it just it's cool to hear somebody or two mitch and matt to like open up and talk about it because like i said i feel like a lot of people are scared to talk about it just because of like judgment and this might be of like people i grew up around like making comments and all that stuff so it's interesting because i don't hear about it a lot which is, this kind is of why sad. we need you on Twitter, bro. This is every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And th- those people you grew up with, bro, you don't want their life anyways. Those no. people talking shit, saying whatever yep. saying, like, look at the way my I'm living. Like, I don't care what you say about it. I, <laughs> like I, I love my life and I'm living out my dream every single day. So you can hate on whatever you want to hate on, but I'm just enjoying myself and having fun over here. So you you keep that energy over there. Like you don't want to be friends with those people anyways. Yeah. And that's what Dylan had to show me early on is like when we started this journey, um, 
he was already doing his thing, but I kind of approached him with like the DTI method and what I wanted to like form the narrative around. And so we put it together, but early on we did our first podcast and he was like, all right, remember, doesn't matter what people say, like be who you are, show who you are, all this stuff. And he constantly has to remind me of that because I'm not one that likes the spotlight on me. Um, but I know that the stories that I've went through, the life that I'm living is ultimately going towards like this dream of what I want life to be, because I know how short it is um, with dealing with people passing away at such young ages around me. And so Dylan reminds me all the time. He's like, who cares what they think? Who cares what they think? You're happy. We're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And so it that I think is my biggest um, flaw is that I hate the attention on me because I don't want people's criticism and feedback, but the longer I'm doing this stuff and putting myself out on social media, I'm like, fuck them. Like, what do they like? You're right. They're sitting at home. They're not happy. They don't have a relationship. They're dogging everybody for X, Y, and Z. Like they don't have the things that are making me happy in life. So why do I listen to them? Or why do I even let them have a thought in my mind of, Oh, what are they going to say? Yeah, They're miserable and they want you to be miserable with them. That's what it really comes yeah. down to. Exactly. Exactly. And I think their insecurities onto you. Mm -hmm. Their stagnant lifestyle, super insecure lifestyle. They hate seeing motion in your life. So they're going to project those insecurities. And it's not that they want to see you do bad, bro. I I found that. It's not that I want to see Freddie do bad. I just don't want you to do better than me. That's the Mm -hmm. mindset of these people. It's, oh, I don't want to see you do bad, but just don't do better than me and we'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, my brother's experience can speak to, you know, what people think and, and choosing to go against those, uh, you know, what they say about the decisions that you make, just, I'll let him share the, the story of what he experienced just with not deciding not to go to college and, and doing what he's doing now, because it was met with a, a lot of resistance for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, absolutely met with the utmost resistance from the people who you thought supported you the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, family, friends, but specifically my own two parents, um, their divorce, like he said, and it was two separate conversations of, hey, I'm not going to college. And both of them, same line, two separate conversations, same line, you're not going to be successful. And now looking back, I can't blame them because, you know, their perspective on it, what was best for me was college. That's their perspective. So I can't blame them for having that perspective at the time because that's what they thought was best. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it was tough, you know, two people who supported me growing up, everything, parents who were very involved in my life, just to say, you know, you're not going to be successful. And then I heard it a ton from, you know, we live in a very small town, we're from a very small town. And so everybody knows everybody, everybody knows what everybody's doing. And just to hear that, hey, Matt's not going to college. And that was just huge. And it's not like I was a bad student or anything, I'd made great grades, you know, And so everyone had an opinion and I just had to say, fuck them, you know, fuck them, fuck what they're doing. Here's what the fuck I want to do. And I say it all the time, you know, get on board or get the fuck out of the way. Like that's, that became my mentality. Like, I don't care who you are or what you think about me. Here's where I'm going like this. That's it. It's just not a negotiable, but Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing was just getting around a new environment. I do not recommend enough get out of if you've lived in the same spot dude just fucking move yeah go find new people who don't know you for the person you were in high school or person you were and no one deserves a seat at your table i say that all the time i don't care if they're your best friend in high school they do not deserve a seat at your table they have to pour into you they have to provide you value and if they don't middle fingers up like on to the <laughs> next people and i'm not saying you know keep your door closed and don't help other people 
just because they're not serving you or providing you value. What I am saying is don't think, oh, I went to high school with them. I know them or I know their family or whatever. So I'm going to value their opinion or any of this stuff. No, fucking block them. That's what I went. I did this a long time ago. Went through all my social medias. If you don't provide value on my timeline, bye. I don't care. And I'll block you. First negative comment. I don't care who you were, how I knew you. Done. And once I cut all that out, dude, just horse blinders on. And the right people came along, you know, the right mm-hmm. people came along to support me. So it's been incredible. But yeah, that that mentality of get the fuck on board or get the fuck out of the way. That that's been everything for me. Yep. And I think one of the key things, and this is something that we always preach, is that you're a product of your environment, just like you said in the beginning, is like the way I look at it is if you hang around a bunch of like fat people, you're going to get fat. If you hang around a bunch of depressed people, you're going to be depressed. If you hang around a bunch of people that are in your, because we came from a hometown as well, where like everyone knew everyone, even though it was like a big uh, county, it was like small in the areas that we grew up and the South and West and uh, all the different sides knew each other. And so um my family name was like big in our hometown because a lot of my family members were in politics and so like with that came the stigma about my last name and so it's like I can stay in my hometown and my cousin at one point was the mayor and everyone was like oh you're following his path you're gonna be right after him you're gonna come this and that and I was like fuck (laughs) that I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I saw old articles about like uh, when my grandparents and my father were in politics and like, they would just bring down the whole family. Like they wouldn't just go after the person in it. They would bring their family into it. Or if the family did something, then it's front page of the paper. And so for me, everybody like around me was saying the same thing. You need to go away to college. You have more to offer than this city. Like get out of it, go and explore, go see the world. And I was like, no, fuck that. I don't need college to be successful. I don't need college to be successful. And so after high school, was working a full time going to a community college. And um, it was going great. Like I was getting good grades in college, but like I wasn't focused on that. I was focused on the other job that I had. And I also had like a landscaping business for a little bit. And so I was working those. And one day I was just sitting behind my desk and I wasn't talking to a soul. And I was like a human robot, just building these fucking machines, not talking to anybody. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. And so I went home and I made the mistake, but it's probably one of the best mistakes I made. And I told my mom and my aunt, I was like, I want to go away to college. And they're like, okay. My aunt's like, I'll buy all of your, um, whatever they're called, like forms to fill out, to apply. I'll pay for all those. We'll travel this and that. And so like two days later, I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to college, but I want to do something different. And they're like, oh no, you're going to college. And so we filled out all the applications, ended up getting accepted to all the colleges, that I once got denied from because my AT- ACT score was so bad, got accepted to all of those. And I was getting ready to go to BG to do orientation in Ohio. And um, I got the email from Ohio State that I got accepted. So I canceled that orientation, went to Ohio State. And it did end up being one of the best decisions I made in the sense of it got me out of Ohio even more. And now I'm in Dallas, Texas. And so it taught me through everything that I went through growing up that I'm different than everyone that I surrounded myself by. I can be better. I can change the narrative of these bad avenues that my life could have went down. Um, and it was just, it was a journey that got me out here to Dallas across the country from all my family where most of them stayed in this hometown. And it showed me that I can be somebody that starts a personal training business, somebody that shines light on the good of life, somebody that talks about their stories to help others. And so, like you said, getting out of your environment and moving away from your hometown, I think it should be a law that everybody has to do it for at least six months just to like experience it and see what there is. 
Yes. I think a better way to put it, um, instead of saying product or your environment, I heard this from Ed Milet. He said, you are the expectation of your peers. So, mm. you know, if Mitch expects me to be fit, be jacked, then I'm going to be jacked because the five people around me, people I surround myself with, that's their expectation in me. Not necessarily just a product. I, I see that. I understand that. But I feel like it was better worded for me when they, he said that expectation of your peers. That's a great way to put it. We're actually both reading Ed Milet's new book, yep. but I've never heard it phrased that way. But uh, I think like for us, that's a big one because we where we did grow up, it was like everybody we're with heavy drinkers. Like it's like if we're together, that's what we're doing. We're going out, we're drinking. And even now, like we're, when we're away from each other, we're on our shit. Like we're 100 percent like locked in. And it's like you get back and the expectation is, oh, you're drinking with us. And so it's very easy to like fall back into that. So I, I 100% like that resonates like, yeah, like it's it's expected. It's not even like there's a question. It's like, this is who you were. This is who you're always going to be. But that's not necessarily true. 100% dude. Yeah. And one, one uh, thing, one way to think about just getting out of your hometown and getting out, you know, like blocking those people on social media or unfollowing those people and just like cutting people off is it creates space. You know, you just need space for new things to come in. You can't, you know, when you're, when you get to be an adult and you're get, you're trying to build your life, like you have to tear down some buildings to, to let new ones, you know, form, or you have to till the dirt to let new <laughs> things grow and new life come in. Uh, so when you get those old people out, you get that old environment out, those old beliefs, old ways of thinking, it allows that space for new things to come in. And uh, for, you know, for the people of faith, for God to actually do some work and, uh, you know, change your life. And so that's when we see these big turning points in our life and these big, um, I guess, turning points is the best way to put it, uh, just where things change. You know, there's a few moments in life that we look back on. It's just like that was a a big uh, momentum shift or that point right there was where where this all started. Um, And it normally comes after creating that space. Yep. I'm about to go through my social media after this. There's so many people that I like still follow and it's like, why the fuck do I follow them? Like unfollow them. And like Mm -hmm. you said, create space for some, some new to come in because I'm meeting people every single day that, you know, do fit this new driven or drive and outlook I have on life. Um, But it seems for some reason that their stuff doesn't pop up, but everybody that I don't care about or doesn't align with me is always popping up. Even if that's like famous people or like influencers or like accounts that don't align, like, yeah, let's clean up the trash and make make room for new things to grow. This is your sign to start fresh on Twitter, bro. <laughs> there it is. With I, Dylan. But back to uh, following these people, I played a big comparison game with these people. Like I, for me, those people that from the hometown, from high school, whatever, it was, I'm going to keep following you because I want you to see what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I want you to see that I'm basically saying, fuck you. And that was kind of a huge motivating factor for me um, up until some short months ago. I was motivated by that. Like I always had this image of not like the high school reunion or whatever, but, you know, just pulling up to a family reunion or whatever and just showing everyone, hey, look at this nice car that I own now because of what the fuck I've done. Like, so I feel like social media is a terrible space if you fall into that comparison of I'm just posting to show you what the fuck I've done. Like, here's what the fuck I've done. Here's what the fuck I've done. Look at me. I'm better than you. 
And I, I was in that, I was in that rut. Um, and that was kind of a motivating force. And I got out of that with the Elevate community. I had guys coming to me that all over the country looking for opportunities, seeking opportunities from me. And I was like, wow, I can't be doing this because I want to pull up in a Lambo at the family reunion. I need to be doing this because these guys need service from me. Like I can serve these guys. I can change these guys' lives. Like I can change the rest of their lives. And it was just guys coming to me repetitively with the same thing that helped me out, whether they were clients or whether they were just looking to get a start in their own, you know, their own path. And that's what changed it for me. I had this kind of epiphany one day, I was just out walking and I was on a call with a guy and he was, you know, telling me what he wanted to do with his life. And I was like, wow, I can help this guy a lot. Like I could really serve this guy. I need to kind of reflect on why I've been doing what I'm doing and kind of shift modes. Damn. So that conversation you had with him shifted that mindset of, I guess, or maybe like more zoned in on like why you're doing it and you're doing it for yourself instead of everybody else. Yeah. I just had that, that vision of, I just wanted to say, fuck you to everyone. Everyone had doubted me of, you know, you're not going to college, you're throwing your life away, X, Y, and Z, whatever the bullshit reason was. I just wanted to, I thought the nice car was going to be the middle finger, but I've realized that them not having access to my energy and my attention, that's the real middle finger. You know, me yep. getting away, whether it's just moving physically or mentally off social media, whatever the case may be. Now you don't have access to hurt my energy. You don't, you, I can't see your post. You can't reach out to me. That's the real middle finger. You're not even seeing what I'm doing. I feel like that is the real middle finger. Energy is key. You attract mm -hmm. what you give off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we'll probably uh, transition into wrapping this thing up, but I do have a question. When did the mustaches start? This is like your guys thing. The super Moore brothers. When they when saw did Top Gun. Start? <laughs> no, it's been longer than Top Gun. I, uh, it was back in November for me is around Thanksgiving time. I uh, had, I just hadn't shaved in uh, probably a couple of weeks and I had like nothing. Like I had no, no facial hair whatsoever. Didn't think I could grow anything. Um, and our grandpa has had a mustache since, I mean, our entire life, like the last 70 years, he's never shaved his mustache. And so I had a little bit of peach fuzz one day and he saw me and he was like, Hey, you got to give it a chance. So I give it a chance. Everybody's making fun of me. You know, I got the Mexican mustache, whatever <laughs> it's growing, it's growing. And then eventually this came in and I think Mitch, he, you know, he had full facial hair, I'm pretty sure. And he shaved down. So we just fell into it one day i guess it's crazy because they are such different mustaches like yep. they're, they're so different <laughs> yes yeah i just shaved uh you know how you know as guys like when you shave and you just like leave parts of it as mm -hmm. jokes like you just like see what you can make out of it <laughs> i just left i left the mustache one day and just took a picture of myself and i think sent it to him or something uh, and we just ended up keeping it so oh yeah <laughs> I hope yeah. I watch one of your podcasts and you have a Fu Manchu because I feel like you'd be able to grow a killer Fu Manchu. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys want to pimp yourselves out, tell people where they can find you, promote the podcast coming up, whatever you guys want to do, go ahead and drop it now. Good. Yeah, we'll uh, be rolling out the podcast on August 1st. Um, be putting it um i'm not even sure the platforms will be going out on hopefully everyone we can all the big ones i'll help you figure it out it's super easy to get out of all of them cool appreciate it bro um and then the bit, number one spot to find us is definitely on twitter matt s more underscore is mine and then mitch yeah mitch d more is my 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 uh, handle 
but I, my name is Money Mitch. That's there we go, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what the people call me, <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> All right. Well, I definitely appreciate you guys coming on. This was a great conversation. Cool to get to know you guys a little bit more. Freddie, you got anything for him? Nope. Thank you guys for jumping on. Excited to follow your guys' journey from now and help support you guys. Um, and also just you know spread your guys' thing because this isn't just about um us to starting our thing it's about connecting with people like you to grow this community to shine more positivity and better energy throughout the world so look forward to following that and uh getting on twitter so that way i can see more of your guys's action there we go yeah all right y'all well thank everybody for listening and as always have the desire to inspire peace